Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 53 verse 7, He said he was oppressed, he was and was afflicted. And yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before the shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. This is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. As long as Jesus Christ did not say anything, the people of that time, they punished and they afflicted him. The Bible is making us to understand, as long as you keep your mouth shut, the troubles that are in your life will remain. The affliction that you are dealing with will remain. The enemy will continue to have a field day in the life of such an individual. And that is why we engage the power of the spoken word for deliverance from afflictions. Number two, we engage the power of the spoken word to open up our destiny. How will somebody help you if they don't know what your problem is? How are they going to assist you if they don't know what you're struggling with? How will the Lord Almighty visit you if you do not talk to the Almighty God concerning the issues that is going on in your life? So we engage the power of the spoken word to open up closed destiny. The Bible says, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old within me. In other words, my suffering continued. I was not able to move forward. My life appeared to be under stagnation when I kept my mouth closed. Number three, we engage the power of the spoken word to create a desired future. The kind of future that you want, you use your mouth to declare it. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of Psalm 2. If you read from verse number 8, it says, Ask of me, and I will give you the healings for the inheritance and the uttermost part of the earth for your possession. You have to open your mouth and speak. Jesus said, when he was talking about your difficult situation, he said, For assuredly I say unto you, whosoever say to this mountain, if you want to take away the troubles in your life, if you want to create a desired future, you want to create a possible future, you have to open your mouth. A closed mouth is a closed future. But most importantly, we engage the power of the spoken word to pronounce judgment upon the enemy of our soul. You open your mouth to pronounce judgment upon the enemy of our soul. Look at the book of Isaiah chapter 54. Reading from verse number 17, the Bible says, No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise up against you, you shall condemn. Not God. God is not going to condemn it for you. Nobody else will do it for you. You will be the one to do it. And there's no way you can condemn anything with your mouth closed. And that is why we engage the power of the spoken word to pronounce judgment upon the enemy of our soul. That is why the book of Psalms, the Lord is reminding us in Psalm 81. He's saying, if you had obeyed me and engaged the word, then the almighty God would have subdued your enemy. That's what he was telling them. Look at verse number 14. He said, I will soon subdue their enemy and turn my hand against their adversary. If they only opened their mouth. If they only told me 
what they wanted. If Israel had obeyed him and engaged the spoken word, the Almighty God would have opposed their adversaries. The Lord's hand would have been turned against those people who are pursuing them. He would have opposed their adversary. And number three, if the people of God had opened their mouth and obeyed his word, the Lord Almighty would have rained a blessing upon them. Look at verse number 16. He said, I would have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock. I would have satisfied you. All you had to do was ask. All you had to do was talk to me. But unfortunately, God's people refused to obey. They refused to talk to the Almighty God. That was then. Even up till now, people are still refusing to talk to the Almighty God. They choose rather to keep their mouth shut. Psalm 32 verse 3 tells us, When I kept silent, my bones wax old. In other words, when I refused to talk to the Almighty God, pain, sorrow, affliction, adversity, and the activity of the enemy continued in my life. When I refused to talk to the Almighty God. Simply because when I kept my mouth shut, the enemy had his way. He was doing whatever he wanted. He was roaming around and moving up and down in our life. That will come to an end in our lives today in Jesus' name. As we continue in our series on securing victory through divine vengeance, I'll be speaking to you about executing divine vengeance through the spoken word. Executing divine vengeance through the spoken word. Now, when we talk about executing divine vengeance, what are we talking about? We're talking about calling God and inviting him to judge the enemy and his operation in our lives. When we talk about executing vengeance, you are saying, oh God, look at what the enemy is doing. Look at the operation of the enemy in my life, in my family, in my circumstances. And I want you to step in and do something about it. When we talk about executing divine vengeance, we're talking about inviting the almighty God to step into our situation to fight for us. They say, Lord, come in and fight for us. We're inviting him into our situation. Not only that, when we talk about executing divine vengeance, we're talking about handing over our battles to the Almighty God to execute justice. In other words, the enemy has cheated us. The Bible says the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The enemy has stolen, he has cheated, and he's been walking about as if nothing is happening. When you now talk about executing divine vengeance, you are saying, Oh Lord, enough is enough of the operations of the enemy. I want you to put an end to what the enemy is doing, and I want you to step in. The question is, why do you want to do that? Why would you want to invite the Lord into your situation to fight and to execute vengeance on your behalf? My brothers and sisters, we invite the Almighty God to fight for us and to execute vengeance on our behalf, because if God does not fight for you, freedom becomes elusive. You and I are not capable of fighting the enemy on our own. You have no power to be able to defeat the enemy on your own. That's why you invite the Almighty God to come into our situation and to fight for us. Without the vengeance of the Almighty God, freedom and liberty will be an illusion. The enemy's chain will never be broken if the Almighty God does not step into our situation. Number two, we invite the Almighty God to fight and to execute vengeance for us because without God fighting for us, we will not be able to access, we will not be able to maximize the portion that the Almighty God has set for us. The Bible says, Upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possession. Which means, without the Almighty God fighting and delivering us, possessing our possession will become an illusion. 
So we invite God to fight for us so that we can access what God has promised. So that we can maximize our own portion. You can begin to benefit from it. There are many of us, we dream and we see what God wants to do. But for some reason, there is a big difference between the dreams that we have and the reality that we experience. And for us to be able to bridge that gap, you need God to come into that situation and say, Lord, enough is enough. I want to enjoy what you have in store for me. That's why you call upon the name of the Almighty God. And please understand, until the Lord executed judgment in Egypt, until the Lord fought for Israel in Egypt, the Bible makes us to understand that Israel remained captive. Until the Lord poured his vengeance upon the people of Egypt in those days, Israel did not have access to the promised land. So unless the Lord Almighty fight for you, you will see the promise of God, you will hear about him, you will read about him. Sometimes you will have a vision of them, but you may not be able to experience them. That's why you need God to fight for you. Without the execution of the judgment of the Almighty God, Israel will never, ever be free. Because the Egyptians were not going to let them go. And there are several situations in our own lives that are insisting that we are not going to go. Unless the Almighty God says, enough is enough, I put an end to it, many of us will not be able to advance to where God wants us to go. So please understand, we invite God to fight for us so that we can access our divine portion. So that we can maximize our divine portion. Number three, we invite God to fight and execute vengeance on our behalf because without God fighting for us, we will not experience the peace of God in our lives. The enemy will throw all sorts of trouble our way. The enemy will bring all sorts of calamities our way. There will be all sorts of things happening. Look at what happened to Job. Bible says that Job was having a good time. The Lord was protecting him. All of a sudden, the enemy got jealous. And the enemy decided to say, okay, I'm going to mess this guy up. And back to back, back to back, trouble was introduced into the life of Job. So, without the Lord Almighty fighting for us and executing judgment and making a hedge around us, you will find that peace becomes unknown in the life of those who God is not fighting for. Number four, you invite God to fight and execute judgment and execute vengeance on our behalf because without God fighting for you, the true blessing and prosperity of the Almighty God will not be experienced. You will not be able to see it. The blessings of heaven, the true prosperity of heaven, Yes, you are walking, but you will not be able to see the result. You will not be able to account for it. Yes, you see a lot of things. You are walking and doing the same thing that other people are doing. Other people are moving forward and you find it very difficult to move forward. That's because you need the hand of God upon your life. Blessings become elusive when God is not fighting for us. And then finally, we invite God to fight and execute vengeance on our behalf because without God fighting for us, our destiny may never open up. Destiny may never open up until our God fight for us. Bible says, say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Unless the Lord steps into your situation, you'll find out that the heaven will become like a brass and that will not be your portion in Jesus' name. Without the execution of God's vengeance upon the enemy of God's people, the waster will keep running wild. The devourer will keep taking the portion. The people of God will find out that they are walking, but the results are not happening. And destinies will not be able to move forward. People of God may not be able to enjoy what God has in store for them. Possibly their destiny will never be able to find full expression. But when God begins to execute vengeance, 
When God begins to fight for his people, you find destinies begin to open. You begin to become restored. You begin to flourish. You begin to maximize your potential. You appear as if you are the only one who knows how to do it. When God fights for you. But when God is not, or you have refused to open your mouth and invite God into your situation, you'll just be walking and will not see the result. The question now becomes, how do you invite God to fight and execute vengeance on your behalf? How do you do it? In 1 Samuel chapter 17, 1 Samuel chapter 17, the Bible tells us about a symmetric warfare between David and Goliath. You all know the story. The Bible told us that Israel was at war with the Philistines. And for 40 days, this guy Goliath will come and he will harass the army of Israel. He will do it every day. And as he continued to do it, he continued to ridicule, he continued to defy, and he continued to mess with the God of Israel. And the Bible makes us to understand that Goliath's challenge and ridicule continued until one day when David showed up. And the day David showed up, let's pick up the story now from verse number 26 of 1 Samuel chapter 17. The Bible said, Then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man who killed this Philistine and take away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the army of the living God? In other words, David was saying, Enough is enough of this nonsense that this guy is talking. Who is this guy? He needs to be silenced. We must be made to understand that there is a price and there is a consequence for you insulting the God of Israel. And you all know the story. The Bible said that David was brought before King Saul. And when he got there, Saul wanted to put an armor upon him. The armor that he was not willing to use to fight Goliath. He wanted to put it on David. And David said no. But if you go a little further into verse number 17, the Bible now tells us. I want you to see what David began to do when he was about to fight Goliath. I want you to look at what David was saying even before he met Goliath and satisfied him. In verse number 45, the Bible says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you. And I will take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save by sword or spear. For the battle is the Lord and he will give you into my hand. So the question is, how do you invite God? To fight and execute vengeance on your behalf. How do you invite God into your situation? Now from this passage of scripture, you invite God to fight and to execute vengeance on your behalf by engaging the spoken word. By engaging the spoken word. Look at all David was saying. David was simply talking. Was opening his mouth. But in the process of opening his mouth, I want you to notice, if you look at the passage very, very well, you will begin to notice that as David was talking, David was talking to Goliath physically, but indirectly he was talking to the Almighty God. He was inviting the Almighty God into the battle. David said, you come unto me with spear, but I come in the name of the Lord. In other words, David was saying to God, I am here to defend your name. I am here to defend your reputation. I am here to defend your honor, not my own because I don't have anything. I come in the name of the Lord. I'm not here to defend my name. I'm not here to defend my reputation. I'm not here to defend my honor. I'm here to defend yours. 
And David is directly telling the Lord, if you let this uncircumcised Philistine defy your name and walk away, you don't have any more respect. Because anybody can now come and insult the Lord and walk away because they don't, nothing will happen. But David is saying, was he directly telling the Almighty God and challenging the Almighty God? He was indirectly drawing God into the battle and saying, look at this Philistine, look at what he has said. You need to fight for yourself. That's the first thing. That's how you invite him. You open your mouth and invite the Almighty God into the battle. The next thing you see is that David was not only drawing and inviting God into the battle, David was also pronouncing judgment upon the life of Goliath. Look at what David was saying. He said, I will strike you and take your head. I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air. He was already pronouncing judgment even before the fight started. Because David knew. Effectively, when you invite the Almighty God into your battle, David knew that the Almighty God was going to defend his own reputation. David is now making bold declaration and he was telling the Almighty God, now I have invited you into this particular battle. Here is what I want to see happen. Here are the things that I want you to do. I want you to take the head of this particular Philistine. I want you to destroy each and every one of them. I want you to chop off his head. I want you to defeat the enemy. I want you to turn their carcasses at the battlefield. David was pronouncing judgment upon Goliath even before the battle started. And that is why, because David understood one thing. The Bible tells us, Job 22-28, says, Thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and light will shine on your ways. In other words, David understood the power of the spoken word. And because he understood it, he basically was prophesying that this was what was going to happen. And that is how you invite God into your situation. David issued a judgment decree on the enemy of the Lord even before the battle started. And now the question is, why was David doing this? Why was David issuing a decree even before the battle started? David sentenced Goliath because David wanted to commit the Almighty God. I have said that several times. If you read in the scripture, God said, if you do X, Y, Z, I will do X, Y, Z. All you have to do is go and do X, Y, Z. And then go back to God and say, God, I have done X, Y, Z. What about your own part? Anytime you do the things that God has said in his word, you commit the integrity of the Almighty God to fulfilling that word. I've given you this example several times. You tell your son or your daughter to go and clean the room and you're going to give them X amount of money. They clean the room, they come back and say, Mommy, Daddy, I've cleaned the room. You have no option. If you want to maintain respect and integrity in the eyes of your son, you have to fulfill your obligation. That was what David was doing. David was committing the Almighty God to action by declaring the things that he wants to see happen. By speaking judgment upon the life of Goliath, even before the battle started, David was committing the Almighty God into action. David was saying, God, I have told the whole world that I'm going to cover up the head of this guy. I have told the whole world that I'm going to defeat their army. I have told the whole world what you are going to do. Now you have two options. You can either disgrace yourself, allow this guy to go, or you can either kill this guy. And God definitely will not be put to shame. So what happened? The head of Goliath was chopped off. The camp of the Philistines was eviscerated and the people of God rejoiced. So that was what David was doing. Now, how did David invite God into the battle? How did David pass judgment? How did David commit God? David did all this by the words of his mouth. He spoke. David executed divine vengeance on Goliath by employing the power of the spoken word. And that's why the Bible tells us in Proverbs 18, if you read from 21, it says, 
Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In other words, it is your mouth that determines what your life would look like. It is your mouth that determines the result that you get. The question then is, why must you speak? Why is God waiting for you to speak? Why is the divine vengeance of the Almighty God conditional upon you talking to the Almighty God? Why must you speak for God to be able to avenge you? The Bible makes us to understand that we need to speak for God to avenge because the word of our mouth, they are spirits and they are life. Jesus said, the word that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. In other words, those words, they carry power in the spiritual realm. They are life. They create life as soon as you speak the word. And that's why you don't speak negative things unto yourself. That's why you don't speak negative things unto your children. The words that you speak are spirit and they are life. And that is why you need it to be able to execute judgment. Number two, the spoken word is very important because it is what is used to establish and to uphold what you say. Divine vengeance is dependent upon the word because it upholds and it establishes what you say. If you go to a particular court of law, you make a particular promise. What you say will determine how you are going to be treated, what you are going to do, and how your sentence is going to be performed. What you say upholds and establishes everything you do. But most importantly, divine vengeance depends on the spoken word because the spoken word has what is called the creative power. You create things by the word of your mouth. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was nothing made that was made. The word of God has creative power, and that power has been put upon your lips. That is why anything you say is very important. That's why God waits for you to speak before he does anything. The authority has been put upon your mouth, and that is why if you want to execute judgment, you have to speak. The question then is, how do you release this word? How do you release the word of God? How do you release the word of vengeance over your situation? The challenges that you are having, the condition in the life of your family, the condition at the place of war, the oppression that the enemy seems to be bringing you away. How do you speak? How do you release the word of vengeance into that situation? My brothers and sisters, you release the word of vengeance with boldness. So I will say, open your mouth wide and I will feel it. There has to be boldness. You must boldly declare the word that you are speaking for that particular word to have effect. If you are commanding something, say, hey, please stop. Hey, please stop. They look at you and say, this one is not serious. Even you yourself, you know that you are not serious. But you have to declare with boldness for it to have effect. Number two, for you to declare, you must clearly and definitely condemn what you do not want by the word that you speak. Clear and definite condemnation. If you don't want something in your life, there is a difference between, I beg, leave me alone, and leave me alone. Two different things. And people will respond differently. So you declare the word. You release the spoken word. Number one, by bold declaration. Number two, by definite condemnation. And number three, by convicting sentencing. And what do I mean by convicting sentencing? You must believe the word that is coming out of your mouth for that word to have effect. Many of us who pray to us say, yeah, I believe, uh, I believe God has answered my prayer. But when you turn around, ah. You are not believing what is coming out of your mouth. That's what you are saying will have no effect. There has to be a convicting sentencing of the evil force in your life. That's why the Bible makes us understand. He said, whatsoever you say to this mountain, whatever you say to this mountain, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he said, that is the only time you will see the results. 
If you don't believe it, it will not happen. He said, be it unto you according to your faith. Let's look at who can release divine vengeance through the spoken word. Who is the man? Who is the woman who can do it? Is it just anybody because you're in church who can release vengeance? No. But who is the man that can do it? Number one, the person that can release the word that will bring judgment upon the activity of the enemy is the person who knows the word. You have to know what the word of God says for you to be able to use it. The Bible says that this book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. And observe to do according to all that is written. For then shall you make your way prosperous. Unless you know the word, you cannot release it. So the person who will release the word of God that will bring vengeance into the camp of the enemy, that person must know the word of God. Number two, that person must receive the word of God. Now please, this is where a lot of people get a lot of confusion. It is one thing for you to cram all the promises in scripture. It's another thing for you to be able to receive the word of God. But Bible students, you know there are two levels of word. That's what is called the Logos. And that's what is called the Rema. The Logos is the written word. That's the one that you read every day. The Rema is the one that the Lord Almighty speaks to you. Right now, I am delivering a message to the church. But the question is, are you hearing the word of God delivered unto you? It is the word of God that is delivered unto you. That makes the difference. That's why the Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word of God that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every word that the Lord speaks to your situation. There are times when you read the scripture. And a particular verse of the scripture pops out. And it takes in a different meaning. And it takes in a special meaning to you. That is the rhema of the word of God for you. When you receive that word. And you use that word. It will work for you. It's not just you opening the Bible and just reading a verse of the scripture. No. It's about you reading a word that the Lord has given to you. And so, the person who will release the word that will bring condemnation and judgment and vengeance of the Almighty God upon the oppression of the enemy, number one, must know the word. Number two, must receive the rema word of the Almighty God. Number three, he must believe the word. He must believe the word. The Bible says that he shall not doubt in his heart, but he shall believe that those things which he said that come to pass. He said, that is the person who will have what he says. So it's not just for you to know. You can receive a Rema word, but if you don't believe that Rema word, it is not going to work for you. So for you to speak, you must know, you must receive, you must believe, and then you must engage the word. How do you engage the word? By putting that word to practice. The Bible says, whatever you lay your hands upon to do shall prosper. If you receive that word, if you believe that word, but you do not lay your hands upon anything, you're wasting your time. That means there is a part of it that is still not functioning. There has to be an engagement of the word. You have to engage the word. You have to put the word to practice. You have to obey the word for the word to happen for you. So when you want to declare judgment upon the enemy, when you want to say, oh, you sickness in my body, get out. Oh, you trouble in my family, get out. Oh, you trouble at work, get out. You must receive the word of God. You must do the things that you're supposed to do. Then you can now release the word, which is the last thing. You release the word upon the situation, and then the Lord God Almighty begin to implement it. Bible says that when Paul the apostle was preaching, there was a guy that was called Elemas the sorcerer who wanted to stand against him. At that time, he was still Saul. Now declare the word of God. The Bible says he spoke unto this element, the sorcerer. He said, the hand of the Lord is upon thee. Thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately, 
the judgment of the Almighty God came upon that particular guy and he went blind. But it will not happen unless you know the word. Unless you receive the word. Unless you believe the word. Unless you engage the word. That is when you can release it. That is when it will have power. That is when it will have access. That is when it will deliver for you. Please understand this very carefully. The word of God that you do not know, you cannot speak. The word of God that you have not kept in your heart, that you don't know, it will not come out of your mouth. God is not a magician. Number two, the word of God that you have not received, when you speak it, what you are doing is presumption, is void, because it's not given to you. Number three, you must understand, the word that you have not believed, when you declare it, it is empty. The devil knows that you don't believe what you are saying. So when you have not believed it, it is useless in your mouth. When you have not practiced that particular word, it is important. It has no power if you have not practiced it. You have to be able to practice it. That is, you have the word of God in your mouth. You have received it. You have believed it. You have practiced it. But you refuse to release it. Then it will not deliver. You have to release it for you to deliver. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.